Sedan and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Hanging out till 7 o'clock. Scott Kaplan taking over after us. Obviously a lot going on with – I'm sorry, today is Monday, right? So we're doing Lakers talk. It's Alan Sliwa. Sorry. You know, listen, Bergman, you got to tell me what's on the schedule from day to day, okay? I don't is, I, he, is he giving you grief? I mean, no, he just he, – he, he said Sliwa in my ear. Sliwa, Sliwa. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you're the schedule maker. What the hell do I know? I just know I got to show up here from 4 to 7. Sedano, Sedano, do not feel the need to apologize to someone who doesn't know anything about Mad Dog 2020. That is true. Excellent point. I will uh, just go right past that. I feel like that makes me a better person. I don't know. I don't know. I disagree. Uh, So anyway. I disagree. There's no way Morales would have put that bite in if it made you look good. So clearly it makes you look bad. So at 5.30, we're going to have some fun with our friends here at ESPN who all uh, got the Lakers-Blazers series wrong. But now we will talk to our friend Kirk Morrison, talk some football with him. The Rams had a uh, practice at SoFi Stadium. Kirk saw it all. But before we get to any of that, Kirk, what should happen with the Black Panther franchise? Should they continue? Uh, if they do, what, who would you like to see in that role? How do, you, how do you go about this if you are the Marvel Universe? Uh, first of all, man, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing? George, I must really like you and LZ. You guys are my guys because right now there's almost a million people on this versus right now between Monica and Brandy. George, oh, man, right? And, and <laughs> Kamala Harris already made an appearance, George. It just started at five, so I said, you know what? I love George and LZ to my dudes, so I'm going to make sure I'm going to hop on for a quick second, but I got to get back over to so this is, a, this is a, a, a memorable night right now. For all those you know, who, '90s artists who, who love, my, who, who, I'm gonna go with Monica, who man. You got, dog? I, think, I know, I'm going with Monica. I know Brandy. See, Brandy had Brandy Norwood. You know, she had the show Brandy. So I think a lot of people right. remember her from that, and her brother Ray J. Obviously, we know how he kickstarted the the, right. the Kardashian empire, uh, if, I, if, I, if I should say. But I think Monica really had some hits back in the day. I'm gonna go with Monica though. So yeah, George. I saw I had to just that was my little you know uh, disclaimer before we started. Um, back to your original question. Whew. Um, I think that you have to find a way to keep the Black Panther franchise going. Um, you just have to. Um, the, the the director producer uh, of Black Panther, Ryan Coogler, was my brother's uh, college teammate when he played wide receiver uh, at St. Mary's College, a little St. Mary's College up north, and. Um, I know in talking with him, a lot of people that they they're gonna. I feel like they're gonna find a way to keep that franchise going. I just think the roots of Black Panther and how they can, I think, continue the legacy. I think they'll find a way. I mean, we, we've seen how many Batmans. <laughs> I mean, see, like a, we got a new Batman coming out. I think coming up soon with uh, who's it? Uh, Pattinson, Robert Pattinson. I think so. Mm-hmm. If they can keep Batman yeah. going, I can definitely see them keeping. Uh, Keeping Black Panther going. Do you I, like Mbaku taking over the role? <laughs> what do you think of that? Yeah, what do you uh, think if, if I, Mbaku I, was presented the herb and decided that he was going to take it this time? I, I saw a rumor, LZ, that someone said that they want to get in, an Infinity Stone and bring back Killmonger which is the character played by... Oh, man, that's what just this dude uh, brought up a little while ago. Uh, Danny in the LBC. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they want to bring him back um, to life, and yet he goes from, and we all know this, and for all of those guys who grew up watching wrestling, 
one of the coolest things ever is when the villain turns into the hero, right? Turns into the prized yeah, hero, dude, the prized hero of the city, and Killmonger can come back and be the hero because he already defeated Black Panther before. So why not have the only guy to defeat Black Panther bring him back in that role? No, dog, dog, that's whack. That's whack. That's like bringing back Richard Nixon to bring the country, saying he's changed his mind. No, dog, you let him stay dead. Let him be where he needs to be. Either find a new Black Panther, make it a woman, make it a Dale, make it a M'Baku, but don't bring back somebody that died. Hmm, I don't know, LZ. I mean, he already was playing Creed, right? He was like uh, Apollo's son, so he's been in the movies where the person died and kept the story going on, so... He does have that history, right? Michael B. Jordan does. So, look, I'm just throwing it out there. All right. All right. Well, I'm throwing it back at you. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Um, All right. I got you. <laughs> Kirk Morrison hanging out with us here. All right. You were at SoFi this weekend. What stands yeah. out to you about the stadium and the team? Well, first of all, the stadium, fellas. I've had a chance to go the last two weekends, and um, I just bear a sense of pride, right? Living in Southern California in the last 20 years, fellas, I really feel like I own some equity within this stadium. I mean, it is beautiful. It is the crown jewel, I think, of the NFL. And, you know, I've been to some of the new stadiums that have been built over the last five or six years in the NFL, whether it's Levi Stadium, the AT&T uh, you know, Stadium in Dallas, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, uh, U.S. Bank in Minnesota, I'm telling you right now, SoFi Stadium, it is just, uh, it's unbelievable. It, it, it truly is Southern California, right? It's how we feel like on a Sunday when we go to brunch and you're outside, yet you're, I mean, you're inside or you're outside, but it's just, you just never know because it's just a cool, calm climate. That It has everything, fellas, honestly. I mean, you walk in and, you know, I had a chance to walk all the way around. There's not a bad seat in the house. And that, that the Oculus, the Jumbotron, whatever you want to call it, I've never seen anything like it. I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again, possibly. But they put all the money that's invested in the SoFi. It is, uh, it is on full display. I just can't wait till fans can go out and see it because it's just really almost hard to describe just how beautiful of a stadium it is. And to think that they're going to play football there. And what I kept saying is that I can't even wait for they start having concerts there and other events because I can only imagine how football is. But to watch uh, a concert there, to know that you can look around and it's just, man, I, I, I can't even describe it, man. It's, just, it's, it's, it's amazing. What are you expecting for the teams that are actually going to be playing there? I mean, I expect this team to be, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. I still think that San Francisco was ahead of them uh, just a little bit, but the wide receiver position for San Francisco, they're a little bit banged up. They've got a lot of guys who are out right now, so I'm still on the fence about that. Uh, I look at Seattle. They're, they're one of my teams that I think can really get to the Super Bowl this year. I really believe that. Everyone loves Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, but I still think that the best football player in the NFL is Russell Wilson. We can debate. I can tell you why. I feel like I'm right, but uh, Russell Wilson is still that for me. And then you look at Arizona and Kyler Murray. They're going to be better, uh, a lot better. And so it leaves the Rams right now, fellas, into a situation where how many teams will represent the NFC West in this new expansion of the playoffs, where instead of six teams, there's seven. So I think that they're going to beat up on each other, right, everybody in the NFC West. But I feel like if there's seven seats in the NFC, I think the Rams are right there in that seven, maybe even that six. 
And it just depends on how the season plays out. I really look at where this defense is going to have to play because that's where they're, it's going to have to be their calling card. Because offensively, they're fine. I mean, they're playing the fourth year under McVay's offense. I just feel like right now this is a 10-win team. I think they're one win better than they were a year ago, and that was a 9-7 and team that we said, man, these Rams really aren't that good, but they went 9-7. and I got them winning one more game, going 10-6 and and making the playoffs. What's your biggest concern with them? I think biggest concern has to be the inside linebacker spot. They lost a playmaker in Corey Littleton, and then years before that, there was Mark mm-hmm. Barron, Alec Ogletree. They don't have those guys. They're much younger at the linebacking position. They're going to rely on Micah Kaiser, who's in his third year. They're going to rely on another guy in Trayvon Howard. He's a little bit banged up with a knee uh, issue. And then they got Troy Reader, who started seven games last year. It's just hard to replace, fellas, that kind of production that they got from Corey Littleton, who signed a big-time offseason, a free agent contract with the Oakland Raiders. I think that's my biggest concern, because my other concern was the secondary, right? Because last year at this time, I just want you guys to remember this, last year at this time, the secondary was Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, Eric Weddle, and John Johnson. Three of the four are not here anymore, right? All on different teams. John Johnson is the only guy that's still here. But they added Jalen Ramsey. They've added two outstanding safeties in Terrell Burgess and Jordan Fuller, who are the rookies who have been playing so far. Just during practice, they've looked you know, like some real big-time players. And then Troy Hill, the guy who emerged as a starting corner opposite of Jalen Ramsey. So what I thought was a concern, actually, I think maybe one of the strengths of this football team. Quick question for you. It's not football related, but it's on, on brand for us. Um, why is Monica still fine though? <laughs> I'm looking at this. Like <laughs> George, I'm looking at this and I'm like, hold up now. Why are you still giving me body, though? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Why, black don't crack, but you're at least supposed to age a little bit, right? Yeah, but I, I think it's because you know how it is. She got a stunt. And when I say stunt, I mean she got to show off a little bit. Because remember, we all know she used to be married to former Laker Shannon Brown. So I think right. this may be her Shannon Brown outfit say, hey, I still got it. Letting everybody know that she still got it. Wow. You know what? She still got it. She definitely still got it. I don't know if you've seen, if you're watching this, George, but I'm looking, I'm like going, okay. I peeked Brandy, at it real Brandy quick on my phone. Like yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. Brandy looks like she's been around for a minute. You know, no, no shade. Just saying she looks like she's been around. Monica looks yeah. like she's a brand new artist. Give it a drop her debut single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's what I peeked, man. Like, you know, they first of all, it, it didn't start on time. So we, I kind of knew that. Right. And then so they come so out. Like, okay. I like it, and so I've been, you know, I've been into this versus thing since the whole pandemic, where you, you bring, you know, artists together, and it's honestly, it's kind of a reflection of where music has come from, because the people who are in the verses are, I think, musicians and entertainers that we've seen that go through the decades, right, from the late '90s to early 2000s, and and, and on up all the way up until now. So it's kind of going back in the past, and then bringing it up to the future, where. Now, you know, it's hard to keep up with some of the music because it's a new little baby, little this, little that, every single, every five minutes. Kirk Morrison hanging out with us here. Back to football. Derwin James out six to eight weeks, according to our Adam Schefter, the other team at SoFi Stadium. How does that change yeah. their outlook? Well, I mean, it's, it's almost, it happens to you once. I said, uh, happens one time, fool me once, shame on you. 
fool me twice, so shame on me, right? And right. So this is the second time Derwin James has been banged up, fellas, right? He, last year, remember, he didn't even start the season uh, with the team. He was on IR. He only played the last four or five games, I believe. And so then this year, again, him being unavailable. But it's, this is so Chargers, right? This is just how the Chargers are. It's like they have everything in front of them. They look like a team that is on the rise, on the come up. They feel like they've got the, you know, Tyrod is the placeholder, but they'll go with Justin Herbert. They got Eckler. They got, you know, Mike Williams. I mean, Keenan Allen, you start naming the names, the highest paid defensive player in NFL history and Joey Bosa. And then all of a sudden, your all-world safety goes down six to eight weeks right before the season starts. So this is a big issue for them because they were hoping to have him for a full season and really put this defense uh, that's going to have to lead this team, right? Because the, the uh, offense is going to be in a bit of a transition. So this is going to hurt them for a while. So we'll see what happens. I know a lot of people have talked about you know having Earl Thomas come in who played under their defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, uh, before he left Seattle. So... That's the situation there. The only thing is I don't know if Earl Thomas wants to play for the league minimum after having played um, and being paid $10-plus million throughout his career. What about Leonard Fournette? Is that someone that you think the Rams should be flirting with mm. considering you know, the departure of Gurley? No. I, I mean, Leonard Fournette's a good player, but, I mean, what does he do that's different than Malcolm Brown, right? I mean, these guys just run straight. <laughs> Leonard Fournette doesn't do anything that you say, wow, like eye-opening, right? You look at some of the running backs that were drafted after him, right? The Christian McCaffrey's and Alvin Kamara's of the world, right? Marlon Max. I mean, you start looking at the other backs, Tariq Cohen, they are difference makers, and it's what they do with the ball in their hand out of the backfield. Great receiving running backs. Leonard Fournette is not scaring me, you know, throwing him a screen pass or running a route. That's just not who he is. He's a downhill runner. And that's not what the Rams' run game is really all about. They're a zone-running scheme that likes to stretch you east and west and then put the foot in the ground and go north and south. That is not Leonard Fournette's strong suit. So uh, a team may take a chance on him, but I know uh, he'll pass through waivers. I don't think anybody wants to pay $4 million for a running back who's on a one-year rental on his last year of a rookie deal. Let me ask you this. Let me switch over to the Raiders for a second because yeah. uh, a week or two ago – um, John Gruden was doing John Gruden things where he's out there praising right. Marcus Mariota. You and I talked about, it's funny, a couple weeks ago when I was still doing Midday about Derek Carr mm -hmm. and him being a little sensitive. And if you haven't been, <laughs> you told the story about him blocking everybody on Twitter. Uh, now, how do you think, because of that, knowing that information now, I felt like, ooh, mm -hmm. I need to talk to Kirk about this uh, because this Marcus <laughs> Mariota praise can't be sitting well with Derek Carr. How do you view all of that? I think it's um, it's a little bit – it's kind of similar to what's going on in New England right now with Bill Belichick. I've never seen him uh, praise a quarterback so much, even when he had Tom Brady, but he's been praising you know, Cam Newton like uh, a lot. And so what I think with the Raiders situation, you're priming a guy up so that if something does happen with Derek Carr, if he doesn't get out to a hot start, you're able to transition – obviously to Marcus Mariota and say, hey, you know, we told you how this guy practiced in the offseason in training camp, and that's why we think that he's uh, able for the job. So I think that's what Gruden is doing. You kind of well, you hedge your bet a little bit, right? You kind of talk up the backup as well. And maybe, it maybe it could be another thing too, though. You could also be trying to uh, strike up some trade talk too as well. You hype mm -hmm. up Marcus Mariota and see if somebody wants to grab him for uh, a season if there's a uh, – 
you know, any emergency quarterback that needs to be assigned. So it could be twofold, but that's just what Gruden does, though. I think he kind of keeps uh, Derek Carr at bay, and we all know that he inherited Derek Carr. He did not draft him. So this is Derek Carr's make-or-break season. Everybody knows that. So the Raiders have to have some success because if they don't, uh, you can kiss, you know, starting over in Las Vegas goodbye for Derek Carr. Kirk, just real quick, um, Brandy and Monica have been sitting this entire time. Are they yeah. not going to get up at all and do any kind of shaking, or are we just going to watch them sit and rock on the chairs like two aunties at that barbecue? <laughs> no, they're they, they going to have to get up. So they're they going to have to get up. They're going to have to do something, right? Because I remember a couple weeks ago, it was Future and Rick Ross, and Rick Ross started unbuttoning his shirt, and he started feeling it. So – they need the wine. They need some of the liquid courage to start flowing a little bit. Uh, I think I heard something about some Mad Dog 2020. Do they need to bring some of that out there a little bit and maybe something. pass it around? And then all of a sudden now you you got a nice little concert with some shaking and grooving going on. So there you have it. Kirk Morrison, um, friend of the program, our NFL analyst and insider here on the show. Thank you so much, Matt. Hope the uh, Morrison uh, School of Higher Learning is going well during the virtual sessions. I, I hope that's all oh, working yeah. out for you. Yeah, we do, we, we're good now. We, okay. we, know we got a basis, right? I, I look them in the eye and say, hey, this is how things are going to go. I don't want no <laughs> BS, all right? This is what it is. Yeah, okay. If you mess up, guess what? No iPad time. And boy, okay. You should see their faces. Oh, yeah. You should see their faces. Huh? I know. The iPad, iPad is. Time? Oh, yeah. See I, I, iPad is the key. Yes, I would agree. That is the, uh, <laughs> the, that is the key here. Kirk, thank you so much, man. Always appreciate it. Be good. Stay healthy. Stay safe. All right. I'm back to thank the first. You, sir. I'll see y'all later. All right, man. Be good. There he is. Uh, Kirk Morrison with us here. All right, LZ, are you ready for what I teased earlier, the parade of gas bags? So uh, my friends at the Lebitard Show allowed us to play this because it's Laker-related. It's great. Uh, they do these mashups of when people, you know, a, a large swath of people make these uh, bold, wrong predictions, and they call it the parade of gas bags. And in this case, there's a lot of Laker slander in here, and there's a lot of our friends in here, LZ. That is the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Now, this may be a little awkward for us that we're going to make fun of them, but I feel like you're good with that. I'm good with it. Are you? I'm, I'm, I'm very good with it. It won't be awkward at all. Okay. Let it rip, Laura. Look at all the people who were wrong questioning the Lakers. This is going to be a nail-biter. The Blazers are not going anywhere. The Portland Trail Blazers, they might have a chance to beat the Lakers. Well, the Lakers and LeBron, they seem to be in a little bit of a funk. This is who the Lakers are, like, you know from the great Diddy Green. Like, they are kind of who we thought they were. They are missing more wide-open shots than any team in the bubble. If you can make shots and you have elite guard play, you can beat the Lakers. The Lakers on the other side, they got two good players, and I don't even know if it's fair to call the rest of them guys a bunch of dudes. They just got two good players and a whole bunch of cross fingers. The Lakers were two and a half men. I mean, Kyle Kuzma comes in and he, he has some good minutes. It's not good enough. And I look at this and go, do the Lakers have enough? After one game, yes, I'm asking it. I'm not, I'm not weighing in yet. Even if LeBron turns it on, what happens if no one else does? I look across his roster and outside of Davis, I don't see solutions for the problems they have. The Lakers were peaking when the shutdown occurred, and now they have to refine themselves. This is not the same team. Damian Lillard is the best player in the National Basketball Association right now. 
Plain and simple. You combine that with the fact that the Lakers can't seem to shoot, okay? And ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem in L.A. I'm, I'm concerned about the Lakers. They may go down in history as the, as the third team to lose to an eighth seed in the first round because this is, this is the best eighth seed that the NBA has ever seen in NBA history. Okay, there's a lot to digest there. We're going to open up the phones no, at 877-710-ESPN. We got a break. <laughs> Uh, but we're only going to be gone right. for two minutes and 45 seconds. So I'm going to open up the phones. I got stuff to say, George. Oh, stuff to say. so I'm just going to let people know the names that were in there. Stephen A., okay, Jay Williams, uh-huh. L. Duncan, Michael Wilbon, Bomani Jones, our girl, Mina, our girl Mina Kimes, Max Kellerman oh, in there. I mean, Max and Paul Pierce there at the end. We're going to dissect all that in two minutes. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Thanks to Kirk Morrison for joining us there. Coming up at uh-huh. 6.15, Kevin Frazier of Entertainment Tonight will stop by. Of course, ESPN alum Kevin Frazier. And we will talk to him about the passing, the sad passing of Chadwick Boseman. And just we'll talk to him about the franchise as we've been discussing here, what to do with the franchise at 877-710-ESPN. Obviously, talking about the Lakers, a big topic of discussion has been the third option today uh, on the Talking Head shows. And do they need a consistent third option in these situations? So we will open up the phones for that. But we just played the Parade of Gas Bags. Uh, Credit to the Dan Lebitard show. They do this thing. Basically, they create these montages when everyone jumps on one side, right? And everyone does it. Not only does it, but does it loudly, right? LZ, that that is what makes this more interesting and fun to poke fun at. And they do these mashups all the time about different things. They started doing it many, many years ago with uh, people who would pick against LeBron. Because remember, LZ, there was a time uh, where LeBron hadn't won a championship yet, and there were a lot of people uh, getting uh, their jokes off back then. Uh, so th- that's where this kind of started with them. So they've been doing it ever since, and they do it with all sorts of different topics. So for those people that didn't hear it the first time, you and I can now dissect it. But, Laura, play it one more time, the Parade of Gas Bags, courtesy of the Dan Lebitard Show with Stu Gatz, and we can dissect who here, who our colleagues are here who are slandering the Lakers. Look at all the people who were wrong questioning the Lakers. This is going to be a nail biter. The Blazers are not going anywhere. The Portland Trailblazers, they might have a chance to beat the Lakers. A lot of Lakers and LeBron, they seem to be in a little bit of a funk. This is who the Lakers are, like, you know, from the great Denny Green. Like, they are kind of who we thought they were. They are missing more wide open shots than any team in the bubble. If you can make shots and you have elite guard play, you can beat the Lakers. The Lakers on the other side, they got two good players, and I don't even know if it's fair to call the rest of them guys a bunch of dudes. They just got two good players and a whole bunch of cross fingers. The Lakers are two and a half men. I mean, Kyle Kuzma comes in and he, he has some good minutes. It's not good enough. And I look at this and go, do the Lakers have enough? After one game, yes, I'm asking it. I'm not, I'm not weighing in yet. Even if LeBron turns it on, what happens if no one else does? I look across this roster and outside of Davis, I don't see solutions for the problems they have. The Lakers were peaking when the shutdown occurred, and now they have to refine themselves. This is not the same team. Damian Lillard is the best player in the National Basketball Association right now. Plain and simple. You combine that with the fact that the Lakers can't seem to shoot, okay? And ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem in L.A. I'm, I'm concerned about the Lakers. They may go down in history as the, as the third team to lose to an eighth seed in the first round because this is, this is the best eighth seed that the NBA has ever seen in NBA history. 
So, LZ, there's a lot there. There's Stephen A., there's Jay Williams, mm-hmm. there's L. Duncan, mm-hmm. there's more Stephen A. There's Stephen A. like three times. Uh, Michael Wilbon makes two appearances on there. Our buddy Bomani Jones, even Mina Kimes on Around the Horn, and oh, Max, Mina, no. Max Kellerman, that traitor Max Kellerman. The Max Kellerman curse continues. Well, because he picked against the Lakers, so that's actually a good thing. And, oh, of course, Paul Pierce uh, all there as well. So there is a lot to, to, to digest there. Who was the most loud wrong there, LZ? Oh, Stephen A. Yeah. By calling Dame Lillard the best player in the bubble. Right. Right. Like, Dame was hot. There's no doubt about it. And he certainly was among the best players in the bubble. But just because someone has a hot five, six, or seven games doesn't mean you dismiss the resumes of everyone else who's in that bubble. And no one, no one was picking Dame Lillard first in a bubble draft to start a right. team. So yeah. why he would say that, I do not know, George. I do not know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, that one was pretty egregious. Uh, I would say that there are uh, a number. I mean, Max Kellerman. I mean, that. I mean, I, what happened to Max Kellerman, LZ? What happened to him? He went to the least coast. Yeah. When you go to the least coast, you say the least things. Yeah, it's just, yeah. just what it is. But here, here's the thing. You know what? Like, I'm not mad I at Max, LZ. I, I'm not mad at him. I'm just disappointed. Well, you've got a long, long way to go in terms of all the disappointments for Max. But listen, here's the thing. The Portland Trailblazers were the hottest team coming into the postseason. No doubt about it. Dame Lillard was blazing hot shooting the ball. No doubt about it. I believe, and still rightly so, that the supporting cast for the Trailblazers was better than the Lakers supporting cast. I don't think a lot of people would say I was crazy. The issue is, is the gap between the top two players, the gap between AD and LeBron versus Dame the, and CJ correct, is so large. huge. Yeah, it's large. Yeah, it's so huge that there was nothing they could do to overcome it. And when it comes to, you know, some of the comments that we heard about, you know, oh, it's just LeBron and AD and a bunch of guys. No. It's LeBron and AD and the Lakers. The Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers. We're too obsessed with this. He did it by himself for big three. We're so obsessed with these false narratives of how you construct a championship team. But LeBron James and and Rob, and and I'm going to give Magic his credit, and Jeannie Buss, they understood that, yeah, it would have been great to have Kawhi, but you had LeBron and AD, so you were good. You didn't need to be greedy like they are in upstairs and, and Golden State because you knew you had enough of LeBron and AD to win a chip. Mm-hmm. You got vets. You got skilled players. You got guys that knew their roles. I mean, I don't understand why. Actually, I take that back. I do understand why. Because it's the Lakers. And it's good business to love the Lakers, and it's even better business to hate on them. What is the which was the one that stood out the most to you, uh, Greg Bergman? It was Bomani Jones saying two guys and a bunch of crossed fingers. Like that's just disrespectful. <laughs> it is disrespectful. But let's be real. There was a lot of that going on even amongst Laker fans recently. 
I mean, yeah, especially on this show a little bit. We talked about it a little bit, too. But, I mean, come on now. Yeah, saying a bunch a of cross shot. fingers? No, they couldn't hit a shot. And that's what those of us who love the Lakers recognize. But we never questioned their their effort, their execution. And we certainly didn't question their defense. Like a bunch of guys to me is two great guys and then a team of people who have no idea what they're doing out there. That was never the situation with the Lakers. It was two great guys and execution that was great on offense. They just weren't knocking down the open shot that their good offense presented or gave them. But once that good offense turned into made shots, then it looked as if the Lakers were unstoppable again. And oh, by the way, you don't secure the number one seed in the freaking conference if you're not more likely to knock down that shot than miss that shot. So I just think people just got caught up into, you know, the hyperbole of, of poo-pooing on the Lakers. Shout out to you, Charles Barkley. But at the end of the day, there's not a lot of teams that can keep up when you start with AD and LeBron. It's just so not. we will have another one of these created by uh, a really cool follow on Twitter if you haven't, if you don't follow him, at Pickup Hoop. And he created one that includes folks like Charles Barkley uh, and other folks, not just ESPN people. So we will have that one in the 6 o'clock hour uh, so people can have some fun with. Let's go to the phones here real quick. Uh, Ticola. Is it Ticola? Ticola? Hello. Hi. How do you pronounce Hello. your name? I don't want to mispronounce it. Ticola. Ticola. There you go. In the Ticola. LBC. How are you, ma'am? I'm fine. George, we met. I'm one of the people that won the basketball last year at Hotel Figueroa. Oh, yes, I do remember oh, you now. Sure. Yes. The Rondo, the Rondo basketball. Yes, yes, I do remember that. By the way, Rondo practiced I'm today. so glad you filled in the break. Okay, thank God. I'm so glad you filled it in. I'm so glad you filled it in. After you say, George, we met, I was like, oh, Lord, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not going to get George in trouble like that. I couldn't lie. No. Okay. no. I, just, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. It's just. You know, you, you started to put his business on Front Street. I thought we had to get, cut you off, but I'm glad you cleaned it up. Really no, Hotel Figueroa, and that was actually a real cool spot. It was. It was a fun spot. Hopefully when there's not a pandemic anymore, we can we can do one uh, another one of those uh, happy hours there again and watch yeah, a game. Yeah, that would be fun. That yeah. would be fun. So I'm going to preface this like this. I'm actually listening to Brandy and Monica with my headphones. So, LZ, I'm trying to watch that and talk to you guys. That's why it took me a second to uh, say my name. <laughs> Girl, they're not standing up still. They're still sitting down. Why haven't yes, they got? They are yet? still sitting down. Yes, they are. <laughs> but they've been singing though. So, um, okay. I think Black right. Panther. So, like the guy said a lot earlier, Shuri was she was Black Panther for a while. On I believe the Hudson Brothers did the uh, they did the cartoon. So it mm-hmm. must have been something in there from. Um, the comic book, comic book. she was the black character. Yep. And then, but I was thinking maybe T'Challa and I forgot what Lupita's character was named. Maybe they got together. She had a baby. I don't know. Oh, she's preggers. Ooh, I like I that. Like, I'm she's thinking pregnant. because the only way you can have Idris or somebody else come in is they have to, he, Idris will have to be the older version of him. A little bit older. <laughs> Cause they're not the same age. Well, I love Idris. Come on. St- stop it, please. LZ, I'm a black I mean, woman. I love Idris. Listen, Charlie listen. Chocolate, no play. Idris, Mahershala, 
Denzel, they all up in, they all, they all good. They, they, they're good. Yeah, but if, Here's you, the problem. if you go Here's back the like you problem, said, though. if you mm-hmm. actually turn the time back and do it like you said and see how they evolved over time and became Black Panther, they still got to find somebody that looks like him as either a kid or as an adult. Well, I, I meant go, to go back to, new, to the beginning. Well, I thought go back to the beginning of Wakanda when Wakanda the meteor of vibranium lands. Yeah, when it actually hits the earth and the people are fighting and, and all of that. I thought then would be a good place to start. But the problem with Idris too, and I forgot about this, and shout out to people on Twitter for reminding me. Remember, Idris, you know, he's in the, he's on, he was the Asgardian yeah. gatekeeper for exactly. the bridge. Exactly, for Thor. And he was killed. Right, and he was killed yeah. in Infinity War. So you can't just be like, we're going to dust him off like ain't no other brothers in Hollywood. We got some other brothers no, but to see, with Hollywood. Infinity War, though, I was like, well, no, you got... I was like, you can only bring the ones back that died when they were looking for the crystals. So you can't bring Killmonger right. back. So whoever right. thought of that, that's enough. Yeah, no, we, we, we can't that's do enough. that. And Tico, we got we to run because we're up against it. It's great hearing from you, though, again, okay? Hopefully we'll see you soon. Stay healthy and stay safe. Let me squeeze in Derek and San Bernardino who wants to talk Lakers, though, real quick. Derek, what's up? Oh, I'm sorry, Devin. Hey, how's it going, guys? How's it going, George? How's it going? Hey. LZ. You know, guys, what's up, sir? I- I've watched basketball for a long time. And I-, I know that Portland was the hot chick of the moment because they were playing a lot of spot uh, games where they had to win. And during the regular season, when you're not playing the same team seven times, it could be a, a bit of a different deal. The Lakers are an extraordinarily different defensive team, albeit they might be they may look disjointed offensively at times. Defensively, they've been spectacular all year, and they were not going to let Damian Lillard do to them what. Utah has allowed Jamal Murray to do with them. That just was not going to happen. You're talking about an elite defensive coach in uh, Frank Vogel, along with guys who have legendarily done it during their career. And when you uh, mention somebody like a LeBron and an AD, they're, you know, they might be two guys, but they're two guys like how Kobe and Shaq were two guys going up against a Portland team of 20 years ago that was supposedly too deep for them. Well, when you have two dynamic guys like that that are head and shoulders above, they can basically bring the level of the play of those quote-unquote other guys up. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I'm with you. I think that – and appreciate the call. Stay healthy, stay safe. Mm-hmm. Look, LZ, we got to run because we're way up against it. But the reality is, is that, yes, the other guys can elevate – um, and, and, you know, normally in the postseason, role players play poorly on the road, but because there is no road, uh, you know, I think that we will see role players play a bigger role in these series here in this postseason. Yeah, you know, and in part for what you're saying in terms of, you know, the lack of road travels, but I think also just, you know, a lot of guys have been getting hurt, man. And the guys have had to step in. And I think we're just beginning 
to get to the point in which we might see a little bit more. Now, hopefully, obviously, we don't want any of that to happen to the Lakers, but we've already suffered some of that. So that's why Rondo hasn't played yet. Yeah. So and I hopefully think having having depth is important. But at the end of the day, if your superstars are healthy, no one's really giving you a pass if your role players aren't stepping up. Yeah, for sure. Hey, by the way, streaming September 4th, Disney's new movie, Mulan. Experience the legend of Mulan as she fights to defend her family in the kingdom. Available to Disney Plus subscribers who unlock their premiere access. All right, coming up next, LZ, you and I will take a look at what's going on in the NBA. Uh, specifically, what the who has the tougher matchup, the Lakers or the Clippers in the next round, potentially. We'll touch on that in a second. Kevin Frazier will join us at 6.15. What you need to know, LZ, is that the Padres made a huge load of trades here to compete with the Dodgers. They loaded up and landed uh, the top catcher available in Austin Nola of the Seattle Mariners, a starting pitcher in Mike Clevenger, who was on the trade market, who was a number one or two type from the Cleveland Indians. They uh, added Mitch Moreland from the Boston Red Sox, Trevor Rosenthal to close games, Austin Adams and Dan Altavilla in the bullpen, and only gave up one top 100 prospect while doing all of this. Should Dodger fans be at least a little concerned about how the Padres, who have played well this season, are gearing up for a a straight-up battle with the Dodgers eventually. Yes, they should be concerned for what may happen three seasons for now. Oh, but look right at now, you. Three we, seasons. <laughs> but right now, we're still good. Yeah, in three seasons, that's when Kershaw leaves, and, you know, we have to start rethinking how the Dodgers are, you know, constructed. But right now, the Padres have did a whole lot to separate themselves from the pack, but we ain't been part of the pack in a minute. So until I see a, some moves – in my opinion, that directly can put some fear in the Dodgers. The, the, the Padres have improved, but they haven't gotten to the point in which they add fear to L.A. That's my kind of belief based upon the acquisitions that they've made. They're great acquisitions, just not the kind that's going to make me go, oh, snap, we're in trouble. Yeah, uh, I think... I think differently. I think we're looking at a playoffs that's going to be short, uh, you know, two out of three. Uh, Greg, is there a three out of five, two as well, before the, they get to the NLCS? Uh, I don't believe so. I think it goes to seven after that. So immediately after the two out of the three, they're going to seven. Okay. Um, because that was really my my next concern. Let me see. Yeah, wild card round, division. Oh, no. Division series is best of five. I'm looking at it here on MLB.com. And that's going to be a little bit more of an issue. That's probably where you see the Padres. But LZ is right, by the way. This is not something to be worried about really all that much. Mitch Moreland, Mitch Moreland is an okay bat, but that's not anything that's like, oh, I'm scared of Mitch Moreland. And then even uh, Mike Clevenger, who is a pretty good pitcher, has not been good this year. He has been pretty average to below average on for the most part so right but his last two seasons were very good yes his last two seasons but this season he hasn't been people seem to have figured him out a little bit and it's i, I know i don't want to get too deep into to, to these different statistics of or whatever but like fip which is fielding independent pitching which is really a better way to look at a, a pitcher's era he's way over a five you know what Enough with your FIP. <laughs> you do this with basketball. What's the difference between talking about it in baseball and basketball? That sounds like a made-up stat, FIP. Is it that is a not. real thing? Yes, it is 100 a, a real all, stat. F-I-P. They're all made-up stats. 
That's They're true. All made up. That's true. <laughs> Look, the Dodgers are the best team, but the randomness of the playoffs worries me a little bit. I mean, I get it, you but this is not more? here. The randomness of traffic during the pandemic. When it wasn't a pandemic, I knew when the 10 was going to be busy. I knew when the one-on-one was going to be busy. But in the pandemic, I have no idea. That is unpredictable. But FIP, I trust FIP. Okay, you trust FIP. That's fine. <laughs> you can trust all the FIP you want then. Uh, all right, next. Uh, so that that obviously is the big story today. The, the Dodgers did trade away uh, Ross Stripling. Uh, you know, look, LZ, he, he's performed well for them over the years. He, yeah. I, I don't look at him as like a huge loss at this point. Well, I, I look at him as a huge loss in terms of personality for the team. Okay. Arm-wise, eh, you know, take it or leave it. Um, he had a really good start, I believe, like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a pretty reliable guy as we we're waiting for Kershaw to get healthy. But uh, since then, not so much. But again, I can't stress what a great Twitter follower he is. Follow that dude. He's hilarious. He gets it. He's self-depreciating. And I wish him well because he's shown us a piece of his personality that's enduring. Yeah, for sure. I don't think there's any question about that. Hey, Brandon Ingram is the most improved player of the year. Uh, I was I, – look, it was either going to be him or Adebayo. I actually thought it was going to be Adebayo because of the ascent. I think he made a greater ascent this particular season um, in his first year starting, whereas Brandon's numbers did go up, but I, I didn't think they were – as exponential as it did with Bam. And the impact, I also think, wasn't as big uh, as it was with Bam. But what did you make of it? I don't, I'm don't. i not, like, upset about it. Like, it is – it was going to be one of them, and either one had a – certainly can make a case for it, for sure. I, I thought that, that Brandon deserved it because he was the most improved player. I don't – when I hear that phrase, I don't think about stats. I think about who are you when you step on the floor? When he was traded, he was a guy that oftentimes would disappear. Um, someone who had difficulties playing with LeBron, someone who was insecure when they had the ball in certain stretches on offense. And he improved into being a consistent threat who knew who he was and still brought the same defense and used his length very smartly the way he did, the reason why we drafted him. So as a player, I thought he was most improved. May not be to your liking statistically, but overall, to go from a guy who wasn't sure who he was to a guy who says, give me the rock, I'm taking this last second shot, that's a huge improvement. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, the Pelicans were actually really bad, though, in those last second situations. Um, so I, I feel like, look, he, he's made a tremendous leaps, and I'm super happy for him. Um, but I, I, eh, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have, I didn't vote for him or, you know, whatever. So uh, it is what it is. Well, I didn't last, vote for him either. Last, last one for you here. We have a new colleague, LZ. Are you ready? Uh-oh. Go on. Vince Carter is now a member of the ESPN family. That is insane. I can't believe that. Yes, it is insane. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I got that to work great. with Vince in uh, Summer League. I did some games with him um, where I was on play-by-play, and he was the analyst. And I feel like I helped him get this job, so I'm just going to take some credit for it at least, even if it's just like half a percent. I got my Vince Carter story for you. Ready for it? Go ahead. So when I was running the uh, NBA department for ESPN, the magazine, I had the great idea of putting the big three on the cover. Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, 
and Vince, Vince Carter after the yeah. trade. Yeah. And I was like, this team, this team is to be feared. This team is destined for the NBA championship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Thanks, happen. Vince. Yeah, Shaq and Wade Did beat them happen. in five games. <laughs> I remember Shaq making fun of him. I remember Shaq making fun of them after he's like, ooh, Vince Carter, Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, we're scared now. It was so funny. Like, he was, like, mocking them openly. It was pretty wild. Yeah. Even for Shaq, I thought yeah, it was were, wild. They were ahead of their time. Yeah. They were ahead yeah, of their sure. time. They were, they were perimeter-oriented. Yeah, no doubt. Um, last but not least, obviously, we have talked a lot about What's going on with the social causes in the bubble? Uh, George Hill and the Bucks, as we know, obviously um, really jump-started that with what transpired last week. So George Hill was caught on camera not being uh, on the sideline for the anthem. And in the game afterwards, you can lower the music here a little, Laura, so people can hear. Um, in the game, after the game, or it is, I'm sorry, after practice, they asked him if this was an issue. Um, and he gave us a very candid answer. Uh, hopefully you bleeped it out, Laura. Um, okay. <laughs> Here's what he said actually transpired. Go ahead. There's a specific reason you weren't out in the arena during the national anthem. You want the honest truth? Yep. Okay. I take every time before the game. Um, I've been doing it for the last four years. Um, if you go back and watch any footage of our previous games before we come down here to this bubble, that's what I do before every game. And, you know, so happened that you guys were snoozing in the hallways and called me coming back from my pregame ritual. And that's what I always do. That's not as true. He has a pregame ritual and it's pooping. And you know what? I, I know plenty of guys who have played uh, professional sports before and they uh, they have a similar ritual. So it's not like it's. Uh, really something that is unheard of by any stretch of the imagination. I am just jealous at his regularity. I am not, as I've gotten older, not as regular as I once was. It's triggered, you know, by nerves. You know, at least at least I can speak to my own sense. And But I've been in plenty of, like, you know, tournaments around the country where, you know, guys travel and you get together and blah, 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 blah. And the, and the bathrooms are full of guys taking dumps before their game. So George is not by himself. A lot of guys get triggered, and you know that's kind of the way they release some of the anxiety. Plus, when you're out in the court, you just want to be as light as possible. You don't want anything on your mind. Even you know, do I have to take a do I do I need to? It, 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 you it, almost you said it. Want that. <laughs> I, I did. I did. You almost I, said it. Because I, <laughs> I was transported. Because I immediately transported myself back to those scenarios, and it's like going, oops. Let me let me stop. Let me stop right now. <laughs> but uh, I remember, Laura, what did you say? Um, you know, at Laura, hold on, hold on. Laura said something in my ear. Laura, what did you say? I said you just need good flax seeds, probiotics, and a good fiber. That's all you need. Yeah, that's what you need in your life, George. No, no but yeah. it, it really is kind of triggered, you know, by that. But everybody's got their ritual. I remember and we're watching the Bucks right now. Looks like they're going to lose this game. At least I think they're down eight right now, with less than a minute and a half to go. Jimmy Butler's hit monster shots here at the end of this game and Tyler Hero. <laughs> Huge shots. But um, the Bucks had a player by the name of Ben Baker. And Ben used to go through this. And I used to talk to him about this all the time because I thought it was crazy. Ben would do the workouts, uh, the warm-ups, have a complete sweat going, George. 
and then would go back into the locker room and take a full shower, change all his clothes, and come out cold and crisp. That was his pregame ritual. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, that's what you need to know. A little extended version here. Um, coming up next, uh, Kevin Frazier is going to join us at 6.30. You and I uh, will talk about the who has the tougher matchup, Lakers or Clippers potentially in the second round. And then we will... Uh, give our thoughts on the early game, uh, Milwaukee and Miami, in the last segment, along with our thoughts on this Rockets-Thunder matchup that is going on tonight. Uh, Kevin Frazier. Oh, breaking news. Breaking news. What? Monica just stood up. Monica has stood up in the verses. Oh, she sat back down. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll ask Kevin Frazier about that hey. and his thoughts on Black Panther and the franchise in just a moment from Entertainment Tonight.